Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He's your host, Ben Mason. And he's your co-host, Sandro Luketic. And today we're talking 1984's Gremlins. Spoilers, Sandro, I, I really don't think are a thing anymore for us. Uh, I, we haven't really covered anything that new, so uh, anybody listening, just, just know we're going full on on this film. So just I have say to, your thing, man. Just, just keep it simple and say your thing. People know. We know. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm, getting too, I'm getting too caught up in it. You're right. I miss the old way of just saying, we assume if you're listening to this, you've already seen the movie. It was simple, concise. Kiss. It's not like anybody was complaining to us. Keep it simple, stupid. There you go. Perfect. Sandro. Yeah. Your history with Gremlins is what? Uh, I saw it a couple weeks ago when you told me to watch it. That has to be a lie. Nope. We had this discussion when we were reviewing... Holliston and Channel Surfing. I've never seen Gremlins before. Good Christ. How? How, how have you missed this movie? I don't know. I just didn't watch it. It's permeated pop culture in so many different ways. I don't doubt that, but there's a lot of movies I've never seen before. And directed by Joe Dante. We've covered The Howling. We've covered The Burbs. Oh, right. You probably you hadn't seen either of those either. But the Burbs you did. No, I had seen the Burbs. Yeah. And I like the Burbs. Written by Chris Columbus? Nothing? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've I've heard the name on our show before. I couldn't tell uh, you what he wrote off the top of my head. <laughs> um some he he was involved in a lot of great productions and a lot of bad ones. We'll say Home Alone and we'll say Pixels. But I randomly, I've, I've told this story before, I, I randomly encountered him in a gas station in Toronto and he was one of the nicest people I've ever met. I don't think I've ever heard that before, no. Oh really? Well, he was uh, in town trying to uh, find his hotel, it's while they were filming Pixels in Toronto. And, uh, Such a the, bad movie. I, yeah, I know. But he was trying to find his hotel and the attendant couldn't give him directions. He looks at me, he's like, uh, are you able to help me? Because my friend here is, 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 is not really being much of a help. He was being super polite, but he was getting frustrated. And uh, I had no idea where the hotel was. I was just new to the city myself, but he gave me his phone and I showed him exactly how to get there. And he was incredibly thankful, bought everything that I was there to purchase and wished us both the best and went on his way. Cool little chance encounter, I guess. Yeah, super cool, dude. But uh, you've seen Gremlins now. Have you seen Gremlins, the new batch? Gremlins nope. 2. Okay. Um, don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben, what's your one-word review for Gremlins 2? <laughs> don't. Uh, it's, it, it is a really fun movie, but it's completely different. Um, it's way too meta, way too self-aware for a lot of people. It's a fun watch, but it is a completely different film. Noted. Okay. So I feel like it's time for your game. Oh, yeah, that's a thing we did, isn't it? Oh, are you not prepared for this? Because I think I got you. 
Oh, no, I'm pretty sure I'm prepared. I just did it weeks ago, so I forgot about it. Yes, it has been a while. My apologies. Life has gotten in the way, but we're back and we're ready to talk about this amazing film. Yeah, hold on. As I stall to find my file. There we go. Okay. okay. All right. We got three people. Four, Four people. Fuck. <laughs> Off to a great start. It, it's good. It's good. Um, we got Feldman. Of course. So, Lost Boys. Correct. Uh, License to Drive. Correct. And I already said it, The Burbs. Correct. Is there another one? Technically. Uh, Ninja Turtles. There you go. Nice. Donatello. The best turtle. Um, Dick Miller. Of course. This is going to be a tough one. I mean, you don't have to get them all. It's, it's kind of like uh, uh, Al Young. It's Yeah. Like, I'm going to try. You can get a, a few, but like, by no means will I hold it against you if you don't get all of them. Okay. Um, the Howling. Mm-hmm. The Burbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demon Knight. Correct. Was he in Last Action Hero? Mm-mm. No, that was Al Young. That's right. Um, what <laughs> are the other guys? One of the two is in everything. I don't know. Oh, god. Uh, um, oh my god. What is that movie where he was the uh, the weapons guy? <laughs> Shit. Um, oh man. Uh, okay. Can you just tell me what that movie was? Uh, Night of, Night of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps, right. Tom Atkins. How many more are there? One. Same character? Uh, I don't know. Oh, God. I, I'm blanking. What is it? Chopping Mall. Of course. It was the same character. Dick Paisley. Or something. Walter Paisley. Yeah, same name, but I'm assuming not the same character, as one of them's a janitor, and the other one does evidence at the police station yes okay well same same name all right well you're doing good and the 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 third one for me that i thought was amazing but nobody else would get it because it's from our lost episode francis lee mccain who plays lynn peltzer was mrs riley in scream i have to take your word for it i didn't look up scream because it's not an episode we actually published yeah i know uh, that th those were my three though. Who's the fourth? Uh, well, I mean, I have four, and I don't count the one that I didn't look up. So you're missing two. Oh, oh God! All right, give me the names. I'll I'll try. One of them should be fairly easy because we did it not that long ago. Oh man! Oh God! I don't think we covered Phoebe Cates or Judge Reinhold. Or Howie Mandel. Who? Judge Reinhold. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. I don't remember. I really, really? don't. Yeah. You don't remember? No. Santa Claus. Okay, fine. I was concussed. My memory is not that great right now. <laughs> oh. Who else? Who else we got? Who's number four? Uh, Belinda... Belaski, who played Miss Harris? Really? Yeah. 
Uh, oh God. Um, is it a Dante film? He, he tends to stick with the same cast. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Ben, ask me a question that'll give you a hint that I have no idea. Okay, so uh, not the burbs, right? Nope. The howling? Yep. Really? She played Terry Fisher. I, I looked up the name of the character. Okay. Oh, uh, yes, you're right. Okay. That, I mean, that's a, that was a tough one, though. That's it's not, not really fair. me being right. I just copied what I found on the website. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. I was right. All right. That was, a, that was a difficult one. I thought I was going to nail it. I did not nail it. But it was so cute to see how confident you were. Yeah, well, thank you. I try. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about this movie then. Okay. Getting right into it. We get the introduction and voiceover of Rand Peltzer, traveling salesman, being led to a shop of oddities in Chinatown so he can find a Christmas gift for his son, Billy. Can I say this right off the bat? Please do. What a voice for narration. Amazing. Oh, it's so good. Like, it's got that deep raspiness to it. He's got a little bit of, like, a drawl to it. It's just so awesome to hear. Coit Axton is a phenomenal actor. And yeah, I agree. His, his <gasps> voice is perfect for this. Hoyt Axton is a phenomenal name, too. <laughs> it really is. It's like max power. Oh, yeah. I got it off a hairdryer. <laughs> <laughs> um, getting into the, the store, I love the look of this shop. But I think it's because it reminds me of Tales from the Crypt. And I feel like this movie could have been an amazing Tales from the Crypt film. I feel like the set designers were instructed, hey, make a store that looks cool in cinema, but would never function as a store. <laughs> it's true. It's true. This place would burn down immediately. It's, it's, it's not getting any clientele. It's at like the bottom of a staircase. <laughs> what feels like you're just going to get jumped if you go down there. But like in cinema, it looks cool. Phenomenal. We, uh, we meet Key Luke playing uh, Grandfather. Um, very stereotypical, but it really works for this scene. And then we get a bit of Rand's personality as he tries to hawk his own wares. Like, uh, is it the travel buddy or the bathroom buddy? Oh, anyway, I forget what it's called. His um, own invention. It's awful. It's horrible. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But it's a running a, theme in the movie is that his inventions are horrible. Yeah, they work at first and then just break down. Well, I don't and, argue they don't look like they work at all, but sure. Oh, they don't look like they work. But um, Mrs. Pelter says it later on, like it works for the first week and then falls apart. But in this case, if you had a bad case of dragon breath, it could come in handy. He, did you notice how he, uh, he caught himself after that? No, I he, didn't actually. Yeah, he, he said dragon breath and then... You could see the look on his face where he's like, oh, that could be offensive. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but this is where Rand discovers a mogwai. Um, wants to buy it for Billy, but Grandfather refuses to sell it to him. Then why have it in your store? That's a question I have, too. I don't get it. If it's not for sale, don't leave it in the store where customers can just walk up and find it. <laughs> And, and this here proves your point that 
the location and setup of the store is non-beneficial for anyone because the kid betrays his grandfather and sells Rand the creature. It feels um, like it should be a setup. Like later on, you find that it's some demon that like drove him to this. And then he turns the around, crypt. and the store's not there anymore. But like exactly, this is just so absurd. If you think of it as a functioning store, <laughs> would you buy a Mogwai for two hundred dollars? I wouldn't buy a Mogwai at all. Why? I'm. You know what? Fine, cute creature, no problem. But if it's in this store with these warnings. And I've never seen it before in an encyclopedia or a book or heard of it. I'm not taking that chance. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because the, the rules, the rules should tell Rand right away. Get get the hell out of that store. The rules baffle me. So you have to keep him out of the light. Sunlight, Fine. sunlight will kill him. So okay. we're. We're dealing with like a little vampire creature here. The most normal of the rules to me, or at least the most like acceptable. Okay. Cool. It's a, it's a nighttime thing. No problem. Next up, keep him away from water. <sighs> okay. This one bothers me to no end because even when he's brought home, there, it's, it specifies not even to drink. Yes, I have a problem with that too. So what does this thing drink? How do they stay hydrated? You know, the US government would be all over this. Like, can you, can you think of any liquid drink that doesn't have water? No. No! <laughs> and that's what I'm saying, the government would be like, how, how can we manipulate this? How can we find out how to keep creatures going? How do we keep our soldiers going without hydration whatsoever? I'm super curious about that film. And I, I think the third rule is the one you have the biggest problem with. Uh, no. The biggest problem is the water. I okay. have a problem with the third rule. But just, I, like you, I was like, how does this thing stay hydrated and not just die? <laughs> yeah. Like, its eyes are massive. It needs water somehow. The most important rule, never feed him after midnight. So, like, are time zones a factor here? Or? See, that's, that's the biggest complaint and point. And people argue it, which I don't understand how you can argue it. I don't think the Mogwai has a set time zone. <laughs> but it's a mystical creature, man. Like, what? You can't apply worldly rules to it. So, I get it. It's fun. It's fantasy. But people really love picking this stuff apart, just like we did with the whole water thing. We just kind of have to let this stuff go, and that's not easy for me to do, as you know. You gotta be more like me, man. I'm not picky at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll drop that for now, and we cut to Kingston Falls during the town's Christmas setup. Uh, Kingston Falls, Sandro, a typical small American town. Uh, they are definitely doing their best to capture that wholesome stereotype, like kids having a snowball fight. But th these kids are just mean. <laughs> and then we get Corey Feldman, who seems to be stuck in a Christmas tree. So I thought it was a costume, but then he's told to get that tree to the buyer's car. 
So how does that work? What is I going thought on? it was a tree mascot initially as well. Yeah. Like, oh, he's, he's dressed up like a tree. He's going to be handing out flyers, helping advertise the family business. But no, no, they just wanted you to think that, I guess. Yeah, and <laughs> we get the intro to Billy, played by Zach Galligan. He's trying to start up his VW bug. Um, things covered in snow. It looks like it's frozen solid. It's not going to work. But the best part of this scene is Dick Miller as Murray Futterman. Because we're supposed to just roll with the punches here. We're not supposed to question anything. And then right out of nowhere, Murray Futterman, goddamn foreign cars. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting some cynicism, which I am okay with. How good is it to see Dick Miller on screen again? It's always good to see him on screen. All too the long. Time. Way too long. And Billy arrives at his job, which is at the bank, and he has his dog Barney in tow. Why? I don't know. I was going to ask you that. We're like, never given a reason. Who brings their dog to their job? What is the reasoning? His mom is at home. I mean, Rand is out traveling. Well, I guess he's back. Is he back yet, actually? Did no, I, not yet. He okay, comes home in the yet. evening. Yeah, That's right. So, Rand's gone. Uh, Lynn is at home. There's no reason to bring Barney with you. Also, Barney can probably just stay for a couple of hours. He's but, a dog! <laughs> yeah, super cute dog, though. Sure! Uh, at, uh, at the bank, we meet Kate Berenger, played by Phoebe Cates. And in the 80s, who didn't love Phoebe Cates? Uh, I don't know. The wardrobe lady who gave her this dress? Different time, my friend. Oh, those shoulders. The shoulder pads? <laughs> They're like frilly. Odd. Nope. <laughs> it made sense. It made sense at the time. Sure. What, um, <laughs> what, 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 are you, what, are, what are your thoughts on Kate? Uh, I mean, there's definitely layers to her. There's a lot more cynicism under what I think is the first impression. And I really enjoy that, too, because right away she's presented as that stereotypical love interest. And then we get into it later and you're like, oh, oh, this person is an actual deep character. Yeah. But she wants Billy to sign a petition to stop the local pub from being torn down. Which makes sense. She works there, right? But we don't know that yet, I don't think. So it just kind of seems weird. we, We don't know that yet, but... If you even just think of her as being that kind of typical good girl, companion, love interest, fighting for a cause, whether we know why, just, you know, signing a petition to save a local bar, local business, that makes sense to me. It's a very good point. Um, I mean, this is the only kind I make. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, next up, we get Polly Holiday as Ruby Beagle. Is it Beagle? Uh, I thought it was Deagle. It is Deagle. Uh, the local curmudgeon. I don't really know what she does, man. Like, bank manager. Like, she's not the bank manager, but she seems to be a part of the bank somehow. The way she comes in, I initially thought, like, she's like the bank owner's wife or something like that. Like, she something, has adjacent yeah. authority and she throws it around. But later on, it just feels like she's just such a curmudgeon that people just put up with her or agree with her to just 
have her leave. But the lady outside does ask for an extension. Exactly. So she has some means of operations within the bank. She shuts that woman down so hard. Like, what a great way to set up a potential villain. Yeah, they definitely set it up. I mean, she doesn't retain enough, like, camera time moving forward to really be a villain. Yeah. But this initial impression, you just think, okay, this is the antagonist of the human side of the story. Yes. And it's, it's really not after. No, they just kind of drop it. However, they set her up as such a, an annoying, mean character that when she gets her comeuppance, obviously it's, it's a positive moment. You're supposed to appreciate it, even though at that point you're cheering for the villains, which I find really funny about this movie, in that the gremlins are the villains, but they're so much fun that you just can't wait to see what they do next. Anyway, apparently Billy's dog destroyed Deagle's expensive fake snowman. And her response is she wants Barney killed. Do you want to get into that? Get into what, sir? She threatens to put him in her clothes dryer. I, I don't condone dog murder. Right? <laughs> like, what do you want me to say here? It's like, I get the dog shouldn't be there. But don't murder it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was a dog and knocked over something that you own and it broke. It's a dog. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't intentional. It was a dog playing around and knocked over a stupid looking snowman. And that thing looked cheap as all hell. So I don't understand how it was expensive. But the dog attacks. Like, Barney attacks. And that is a really confusing scene for me. Because he shouldn't understand what she's saying. But he goes right in on that arm. Yeah, it probably can, like, sense her, like, tension and, and anger and resentment. General negative disposition. Yeah. But this gives us the intro to Judge Reinhold as Gerald Hopkins, junior vice president of the bank. Another antagonist that's not really prominent after... I, I don't think he's an antagonist. I really don't. Like, it's... It's, it's debatable. Always, like, if you think about their conversation in the bar and how which he's... I really want to get into. Yeah. Let's go for this. Like, well, they go to the bar after. Fine. Like, this is post-work. Everything is calmed down. And, and they meet there. And you wonder, like, are they actually friends? And he's just a two-faced guy that at work covers himself. And, like, he leads off almost immediately by saying, like, if it was up to me, you would have been fired. Yeah. And, like, he, he berates Billy in the bank. But then, yes, in the pub, he shits on him immediately and is, like, taunting him, being like, guess who almost had to file for unemployment today? But then yeah. tries to give him mini pep talk. And if you're this much of, like, if you dislike this guy this much, where you're essentially saying, like, you're nothing, and one day I'm going to be the youngest millionaire, and I'm going to own the bank, and you're going to be fired, and this and that. Like, okay, well, why are you sitting with him? Like, you don't have any other friends? Like, why are you trying to communicate with this guy? If you really are not a fan of him, just F off. Yeah, exactly. And right now, I'm going to say something that nobody in the history of the world has ever said. Mm. This movie needs more Judge Reinhold. I'm sure somebody has said that before. Outside of Judge Reinhold, probably not. He gets a lot of 
I think he gets a lot of unearned flack. Yeah. I mean, look at Fast Times, where he was also, uh, he was co-starring along with Phoebe Cates. But he is actually a really, really good actor. And he's and, done good stuff, like Beverly Hills Cop. How can you not like the guy? He was even in, he was, he played a good smarmy character or whatever you want to call him in Santa Claus. Like, yeah, he gets a little too much negativity, in my opinion. And I think it's because of the roles that he gets hired to play. Um, I feel like he got shoehorned into a specific style of character. He, he is a character actor, and I don't think that's fair. He should be an actor, because I think he does have range. But he's so good at playing that smarmy asshole. I, I do understand why he is where he is. Uh, even like hitting on Kate, uh, who it, this is where we find out she's working at the bar. He tries putting the moves on her, and there's just there's no way that's working. She's having none of it. No. And I love the way she puts him down, too. It's like, you haven't seen my new place. <laughs> and her response is, I didn't see your old place either. She's right. And it's good. It's very good. But this, this triangle, I love this dynamic between the three. And they just drop it. So Billy goes home, where he helps uh, Lynn, his mother, prep food. Well, I think you only see Judge Reinhold in, like, one more scene in, like, the entire rest of the movie. Yeah, it's a shame. So why are you setting all of this up? It's, it's an opportunity for them to give you an exposition dump, but it's all unnecessary information. I don't need to know Billy's situation at all for the rest of this movie to play out like it does. Exactly. But I want to know more. I feel like you do too. Like this is a really good build. Like I want to see where the story goes, but the no, story dies here. You're wrong. I want to hear less. Really? I don't, unless it's actually prevalent to the story, why are you even me, giving me this information up until now? I don't need this. Yeah, I know. I know. I know it doesn't play out in the rest of the film, but do you not find this dynamic interesting at all? Because this is the movie I want. I want to see this play out. I want to see the three of them deal with the gremlins, not just two of them. I don't even think you need the gremlins if you're going to that storyline. Just have a story about these three. <laughs> a love triangle. Like Honestly, I would watch that too. But also, like, this is gremlins. We're dealing with gremlins. We need Judge Reinhold. We need Gerald to be paired up with Billy and Kate. Because I think that could be really, really fun. I mean, yeah. kill, kill him off at some point. But have him in the movie more. Because his interactions with Billy... Really entertaining, and then he's just gone because he's a good actor. Okay, I will agree with you. Yes, finally. So Rand returns home from his trip and gives Billy his present. Do you find it weird that we get a jump scare reveal of Gizmo? I've kind of let weird out the window at this point. Like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. But he's so cute. This little guy is so adorable, but he like bursts out of that box and it like even get a sting. It's just a weird choice. Yeah, I don't I honestly don't know if this movie knows what it's doing. I think you might be right, actually. Like I, I get that this is a movie that people love and it's enjoyable and it can be good, but I feel like at the point of creation, it just didn't know what it wanted to do with itself. Which is really weird when it's a, a Joe Dante directed film and 
and produced or presented by Spielberg, you think they'd have everything under, you know, under control. But yeah, this seems a little wild. Um, Voice of Gizmo, you know who this is, yes? Um, Howie Mandel. Yes. Which What's makes no sense to me. It's like, <laughs> what, like, let's make Vin Diesel play Groot. Like, you don't need a name attached to this lack of actual dialogue. But it works so well. Sure. Do you not like Gizmo's voice? I'm, I'm just, in regards to the whole, it, it doesn't need to be Howie Mandel. It could literally be anybody doing this voice. It's true, but he wasn't a massive star at the time or a, a, a big pop culture icon. Did, did you ever watch Little Monsters? Yes, I have actually. Yeah? Do you like yeah. that movie? Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's not great. It's not bad. It terrified the shit out of me. I didn't see it when I was super young, so I didn't maybe have the same reaction to it, but it was fine. Okay. Well, anyone who's listening who hasn't seen Little Monsters, uh, definitely, definitely check that out. It, it, it's a weird one because it presents itself as being really fun and quirky, kind of like this, and then gets real dark. But uh, yeah, anyway, moving back to, to Gremlins. Rand has already named the Mogwai Gizmo, which I never really understood until I thought about it. And like, he's an inventor. Gizmo makes sense. Yeah, I'm cool with it. There is something about this reveal, though, that I should, I, I think it should be more realistic. And I'm curious to know if you think the same thing. What do you believe Barney's reaction would be to this reveal of a Mogwai. Who's Barney? The dog. Oh, um, I don't know. Kill it. <laughs> I, I don't know. Not all dogs will try to kill any other animal. I don't know. I don't know, but it attacked Eagle. Yeah, but she had hostility in her heart. Yeah, but we got a jump scare reveal of the Mogwai. Can you imagine if this movie <laughs> ends with Barney just ripping Gizmo apart? Uh, no, that would not be the same movie at It'd all. It'd be a short film. <laughs> Credits, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get to see what the rules do to this one. He's dead. <laughs> Got wet with dog slobber. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, but he's still gone. So Lynn takes a photo, which terrifies the shit out of the little monster. And this is where Rand relays the rules. Going back to this, nobody questions them at all they're not common rules <laughs> it's a mysterious creature with weird guidelines for its survival and everyone's just okay with it if if these rules exist nature does not want this creature to <laughs> exactly this is a little demon being no light okay well that happens all the time no water well you need it to live don't feed after midnight. Things need, just need to eat, depending on time zones. It doesn't really matter. Mother Nature is trying to murder this thing. Exactly. It's an abomination. Don't, don't get in the way. <laughs> so let Barney kill it. I do love the little songs that Gizmo sings, though. And I have to say, I think you would agree with this, too. The puppetry in this movie is fucking amazing. For the 80s, yes. For the 80s? Yeah. Dude, this movie, like, this, this character in this film looks absolutely amazing. I mean, it didn't hold up so well in high definition to me, but 
sure. Oh, you watch a 1080 version of this? I believe I so. I said my old DVD. Yeah, no, I definitely downloaded a high definition version. Oh, uh, okay. That, yeah, that could probably change things. So, like, it still looks good, but, like, you can definitely see some of the cracks when it's in high definition. Okay. So, Billy bandages up Gizmo after a tumble into the trash can, and then they crash for the night. Fine. Next morning, Billy's attacked by the juicer that Rand invented. And do you, <sighs> you know, do you think that we need this in the movie? The fact that he's an inventor, but all of his inventions fail? No. I mean, it definitely builds up his character, but the character goes nowhere. Yeah. If the inventions had more of a direct impact on, say, the resolution, mm -hmm. then sure. But otherwise, it's like, what's the point? I think it was even like the night before uh, when he came home and he asked his mom if she needed any help with dinner. And she had this like egg cracking device that was like yeah. one of the drinking birds just smashing the eggs. <laughs> like, why? Like, just crack the eggs. Like, it, there's no need for this invention, let alone seeing it in the movie. Agreed. And it's not like it comes back later that, like, part of the story is like, oh, your dad sucks at inventions, but it actually helped us this time. Because all of the inventions that are meant to be helpful have somehow murdered things. I, I don't know. Where is the money coming from for the Pelzer family to have this house? <sighs> right? You see how everything he invents fails miserably. So miserably. This is a massive house. It's a nice house. The impression that I did get, though, is that he hit it big with, like, one invention. Because okay. when he's talking to... Uh, when he's talking about going to, like, a convention mm -hmm. and taking the dog with him to, say, get him out of the house because the dog gets, you know, attacked by the future gremlins or whatever. And he talks about, like, there are going to be people there that have bought some of his inventions before i feel like it gives the impression like yeah he, he struck it big with one and that's what they're like coasting off of financially but he's just not able to replicate it again see that makes perfect sense and i feel like if that was mentioned in the film i missed it completely but if it wasn't why not like just that that it answers so many questions about how like well, okay well gerald's even saying that billy is paying all of the bills He's working part-time at the bank. But yeah, I guess a lot of money at the bank. 80s, completely different time. I don't know. I was a kid. So Christmas tree Feldman delivers the Pelzer Christmas tree. And now I'm even more confused because he's still wearing the tree thing. But the tree that he was wearing was the tree for someone else earlier. Maybe he was dressed like a tree holding a tree in that scene. I, I can't do anything other than agree with you there there it, it i think the I, best thing you can do is try not to figure it out just let it go <laughs> yeah. just let it go so gizmo is watching a race car scene from a movie um thoughts on this it's the first piece of pointless like information we've gotten that will actually come back later my question is how bright of a light does it have to be before it's too bright? Well, the TV doesn't illuminate light. 
Well, his face is lit up by the screen. No, that's just camera tricks for the audience. That's not okay. really happening in the movie. Also, I guess the bandages aren't necessary anymore. But I don't know. Anyway, Billy introduces Feldman to Gizmo and immediately... Oh, I forget Feldman's name is like Pete. Something like that. And it spills water on him. But before this, Billy wants to show Feldman how Gizmo sings. Did you notice anything weird about this really quick cut? No, I didn't. Billy picks up Gizmo by his face. I did not catch that. <laughs> he palms his face and just lifts him off the bed. And oh, immediately that. I'm like, Billy's an asshole. So I don't ah. feel bad for him at all anymore. I wish I caught that. That would have been great. It's really good. But yeah, uh, Feldman spills water on Gizmo. Giz freaks out and five furballs pop out of his back, all of which turn into more mogwai. Um, now can I have one, Billy? <sighs> Feldman is very annoying in this movie. It's like he sees this creature for the first time. Billy's like, oh, look, it's my Christmas gift. I got this animal, whatever. And he's like, can I have it? No! <laughs> Why would you ask that? Did you notice Gizmo's reaction after the furballs pop off? He seems unhappy. He's very sad. Why? Has this happened before? Does he just know that this is bad? Could we get a Gremlins prequel? Because I would love to see that. It sets it up perfectly. Why are they bad? I don't know. It doesn't explain it. Gizmo's not bad. Why are all of his offspring bad? Or easily led. Because it feels like the only... Oh, no, they're all, they're all pretty bad. Yeah. yeah Just no. stri Stripe is the worst. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't answer that. But Billy shows Rand what happened. And uh, yeah, all these new little guys, pretty mischievous. Uh, the one with the mohawk, Stripe, Billy says, seems to be the leader. One thing I do love about the scene, though, is that Rand immediately starts thinking on how to market them. That's what he does. Yeah. The next scene I find very confusing. Because Billy awakens that night to Barney's whimpering. And he finds the dog tangled in Christmas lights hanging from the eaves over the front porch. Mm-hmm. How? Well, the gremlins did it. I know the gremlins did it. How could Barney not stop them? Because uh, the, there was five of them. <laughs> I think this is probably the very first movie we've covered where we can't actually question what happens because the answer is well it happened yep yep it's a weird one it's a weird a weird choice on my part so i don't I'm know myself I confused how they managed to get barney wrapped in lights and put outside like that without contacting snow which by my limited scientific <laughs> knowledge is <laughs> water I didn't even think about that. <laughs> But you have to let these things go, Ben. <laughs> okay, ap apparently, yeah, you're right. So Billy takes one of the critters to his old science teacher, Mr. Hansen, to see if he knows anything about them, even showing him how they multiply, which is an incredibly stupid move. 
I mean, and, just listen to the cries of the gremlin as it's happening. It sounds torturous. It's painful. It's Billy, absolutely Billy painful. doesn't care. Like, Come here. Feel this water. That's right. <laughs> Is Billy the villain? I think so. Hanson keeps the new Mogwai at the school. And then thankfully we cut to Dick Miller. And Futterman's drunk at the pub. And Kate kicks him out at clothes. So he warns Kate and Billy about foreign cars because they put gremlins in them. I love this character so much. Uh, he gives us a quick history on the lore of the little monsters in World War II, which I, I've heard repeatedly. I don't know about you. Nope. Nothing? You haven't, like, I even remember the old, uh, the old Warner Brothers cartoons about gremlins ripping apart airplanes and whatnot. And then you get that uh, Twilight Zone episode with Shatner, and then again in the movie with, uh, with John Lithgow about the gremlin on the wing ripping apart the planes. But Kate reveals to Billy that she doesn't celebrate Christmas. So, you want to get into this? Nope. You sure? Yep. Do you want me to just fly through it? Mm, please. As fast as I can, her father dressed as Santa Claus and climbed down the chimney one night, got stuck after like breaking his arm or something, I forget, and, and died. Why is this in this movie? I don't know. I mean, it's way too dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really dark. Here's a situation where my dad dressed as Santa. <laughs> to try and, you know, surprise us on Christmas, and it's joyous, and he died. <laughs> like, what, what are we watching? I think that story is what stands out to people most about this film, because it is so out of place, and it is so dark in a film. Like, this is, would you say this is just a straight-up comedy? I, I don't think you could say it's a comedy horror. No, I wouldn't really call it a horror. Um, you can maybe argue that maybe it has some action in it, like, but it's more of a comedy than anything else. Yeah, it it is more lighthearted, and then you get slammed in the face with this dark story. It's not, it's just bad enough. To like, oh, he broke his arm and then he died. It's like, why did both of those things have to happen? Yeah, why do we need to know that he broke his arm? <laughs> like it's so, oh, you want me to know he suffered before yeah. he died? He Thank was in you. Se severe pain for quite a while, and then then he died, and uh, it was quite horrific. Like, okay, where where are we going with this? Oh, nowhere. Okay, that's good. This is where I check like the VHS box. Like, did I put the right movie in? What is going <laughs> on here? And it, it stays dark for a while, because back at the school, Hanson's being a complete dick with a syringe, drawing blood from one of the Mogwai. You don't know what these things are. You're just, you're not looking for a vein. You don't know your biology. He just, like, sticks he it just, into his hand. Exactly. <laughs> like, yes, Hanson dies, but he deserves it. <sighs> Billy That's a little home. drastic. I mean, he's... Maybe not the best, but anyway, whatever. He's an elementary school teacher. Why? Also, that, that, I found that confusing. I don't think deserve matters. We just heard about a guy who died trying to dress up as Santa to surprise his kids. Question, though, is... Deserve like said, is not a factor. 
elementary school. We assume that Billy made it out of high school and is working at the bank because of such. Why take it to an elementary school science teacher? Maybe he just had a better relationship with this person. I don't know. It's really not the question to ask here. I guess. Anyway, Billy's at home watching TV. And uh, the one thing I've noticed here is anytime the TV's on, it's just black and white movies. Don't know why, just an observation. The Mogwai are going crazy for food. And while they've already been fed, it hasn't hit midnight yet, and Billy relents. Watching these things eat is horrendous. Not as horrendous as the noises they're making. Yeah, the noises are bad. <laughs> Very bad. At this point, I'm kind of losing touch with the movie, I have to say. Okay. Um, I was really excited when we started covering it. Like, I, uh, I was watching it. I'm like, this is exactly what I remember. I'm having a really fun time. I find this movie starts to drag. And when it picks up again, you just, you're into the action. and. You just kind of want it to end. I think this is the turning point for me. I don't know if you feel the same way. Pacing is definitely an issue. It really is. Uh, back at the school, the caged mogwai sneaks some food. In the background, we see a clock showing us that it's already 2 a.m. Or after 2 a.m. An alarmed Billy calls his mom upstairs in the morning, where we get the reveal that the mogwai have turned into slimy green cocoons. It does look pretty cool. But this is where Billy finds out that his clock has been unplugged. Unplugged? Or I thought the like wire was chewed or something or like that. Or chewed. One of the two. Yeah. That being said, though, if like I, I can tell if it's 11 o'clock or quarter after two at night. No, oh, man, it was the 80s. <laughs> they needed their clocks. That's all they had. Yeah, your sense of time didn't really exist. Nope. Okay, well, we cut back to the school. Feldman, Billy, and Hanson examine the cocoon. It's dragging, man. It's dragging so bad for me now. Rand calls uh, from some inventor's convention. Um, did you notice what was in the background? I did not. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Because it is from a film version of one of my all-time favorite books that you introduced me to. Is it's, it the time machine? It is the time machine. I can't believe you didn't notice that. Nah. <laughs> Don't Okay, yeah, I just shrugged that off. It was super important to me. I was so happy when I saw it because I had never noticed it before. Honestly, I've never seen any of the film versions of the time machine. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You would never and get it done. From what I was told, I shouldn't because I love the book and watching the movie version will not do that any favors. Oh, no, the 60s one is great. Absolutely great. Yeah, do not watch the, uh, the 2003 or 2004 one. That was absolutely terrible. But we have another confrontation between Deagle and Billy at the bank. Now I realize they're just setting up her downfall, and I'm okay with that. During one of Hanson's classes, the cocoon hatches, same as at Billy's house. And I want to hear your thoughts on the monster effects here. It was pretty much the same as Gizmo. Like, it does look pretty cool. I think if I saw it in the 80s, if I saw it on, like, a VHS where, okay, I didn't have high definition, it's designed well. Yeah. It's definitely a good design, but you can see some of the flaws now with time. But that yeah. 
should not be held against the movie because it was made in the 80s. Yeah, I, I saw it on VHS for the first time and uh, I, was, I was pretty freaked out. But granted, I was a child. But I, I you th- can see from a concept standpoint that it's very well designed. Mm-hmm. Gizmo's reaction of hiding in a helmet really worked for me. It made me feel like he felt incredibly vulnerable and didn't know what to do. And it shouldn't have affected me as well as it did, but good filmmaking. I feel like from this point on, the entire purpose of Gizmo's even presence in the movie is what cute thing can we get him to do? And that's basically what the new badge is. That's all it is. They even have him like reference Rambo in that movie. Completely yeah, headbands. Yeah, and, I think uh, I saw that in the advertisements actually. Yeah, and the bow made out of the paperclip. Anyway, Hanson calls Billy about the hatching, but is killed before Billy arrives. There is one thing about this that stands out to me that I truly appreciate. Okay. When they discover Hanson's body, there's just a syringe sticking out of his ass. Yeah, it's payback. Exactly. I love it. And it's supposed to be funny because it's his butt. Ha <laughs> ha Get it? To get and it? We, ha- we haven't seen a clear look at the monster yet. It, it breaks into the air ducts. And then we get a very brief reveal. Um, thoughts on the design of the gremlins post-transformation? like what, what, what do you think? Well, I thought that's what I was referencing when you asked me about that. Or were you just talking about the eggs? No, I was talking about like... Well, I was talking about the eggs, the cocoons. But it's actually the design, um, not the execution. I think the gremlins, after they transform, are very menacing looking. I'm not talking about how well they uh, move on screen, but like they look demonic. Yeah, and that that was part of what I was saying is that part like part of the design and part of how it is 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 the actual concept of them. You got like almost the reverse color palette with green instead of like the light brown and and white. Mm-hmm. Um, you you really can't think of two designs that could be more polar opposites between the two. Like it's very well planned out from all facets of just like the conceptual design standpoint. Yeah, like the mottled green skin looks amazing, almost scaly. Uh, the eyes look terrifying to me. It really reminds me of some of the designs from uh, from Ghostbusters. Um, hmm. They did a really good job at making these things look menacing in a movie where they're almost funny. So it, it's it's a weird back and forth there that I, I truly appreciate about this movie. Probably one of my favorite things about it. Cool. So we. We cut to Billy's house where Gizmo's tied to a dartboard and being toyed with before being thrown down the laundry chute. It, that seems on brand. It's getting pretty dark, yeah. So Billy's mother, Lynn, investigates, discovers the hatched cocoons, and it, now it's a full-on war between Lynn and the gremlins. Um, any standout moments for you in this? Because there's a lot that happens. She holds her own. She is taking them to town. Right? <laughs> they just needed her. They just needed her to take the front and center more. <laughs> right? We get a gremlin in the blender, which has always stood out to me. It's incredibly brutal. At this point, the movie is no longer funny. It's actually pretty intense. 
at least used a normal blender blender and not the yeah. brand <laughs> the brand brand one that wouldn't have worked <laughs> gremlin throwing plates at her um we get a knife and shield moment with lynn and then she stabs one to death just stabs it like oh who is this movie for <laughs> i don't know but we need more lynn she puts a gremlin in the microwave and it explodes um shanking gremlins <laughs> we get the gremlin in the christmas tree which billy knocks into the fireplace when he gets home and that thing just burns alive and stripe escapes through a window and this is where billy finds gizmo in the laundry and they head outside following stripes footprints to the ymca i feel like stripe is not set up properly as a villain it's just he's present yeah they mention how like oh it feels like he's the leader but they don't actually from a movie standpoint make him conduct himself like the leader at any point yeah i agree other than the fact i guess he's the last one eventually before they yeah. win and then that's it that feels a little lacking well the next scene is one that horrified me as a child Ooh, okay and that is where stripe attacks billy and then jumps into the swimming pool yeah water. Like it's a great use of water uh the smoke and lighting effects to show us that some serious shit is going down like they did a great job of building tension as an adult it's fine it's nothing crazy as a child it is terrifying so Billy flees to the police station and nobody there believes him. And who would really? No one. The, yeah. the insane person. Exactly. This is one of the few times in a movie where people not believing the protagonist actually works for me. Because normally they like, somebody will run in and try and tell the authorities this is happening and they're just kind of like, eh, whatever. You're like, well, no, you should maybe at least consider what this person is saying. But with Billy, his story is so absolutely ridiculous when the police are like, yeah, okay, whatever, kid. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. But at least Billy can show them Gizmo as some sort of proof or something. No. No. That's too helpful. Exactly. Thoughts on the stop motion scene of the gremlins running down the snowy street? It's snow. It's water. It also looks pretty janky. It does, but again, but it's, it's something that I had to be a little bit more accepting of that it was made in the 80s. Exactly. It's almost endearing in that sense. So we cut to the Futterman's house. And the gremlins are just fucking with the TV antenna, and Futterman heads outside. Futterman's the best. All I can say is poor Mr. Futterman, dude, as the gremlins charge him and his wife with their own tractor. The only good thing I feel that we get from this scene is we get the full Gremlins theme song, which is one of my favorite pieces of music from film ever. Oh, okay. Does it not get stuck in your head? No, I couldn't even tell you what it sounds like right now. Oh my God, are you serious? Fuck, man, you have to listen to it. It's so good. You can listen to it any time of the year. I know people say this is a Christmas movie, blah, blah, blah. You can listen to the Gremlins theme song any time of year. And it would just put me in an amazing mood. It's not really a Christmas movie, but okay. Yes. Well, 
We've had this debate. Die Hard, mm-hmm. not a Christmas movie. Gremlins, Christmas movie. Gremlins is not a Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. And it does not need to be Christmas. It doesn't need to be, no, but it is. Be any gift-giving situation. Yeah, exactly, but it's a Christmas movie. Well, okay, fine. Yeah. What are your thoughts of the gremlin in the mailbox? Why? <laughs> what are we, like, what are we doing? It's full mayhem now. Um, there is no reasoning for anything that happens in the rest of this movie. It's just, let's get a crazy looking spot. The movie is quote unquote, a Christmas movie. Oh, there's stuff for kids. Gizmo's so cute. Then we have dark Christmas murder. Then we have like, what is this movie trying to do? Does it have any idea? I don't know. Um, there is a loose structure to it that does work. I think it is not a tight film. But yeah, like I said, Gremlin in the Mailbox, why, you ask? I can't answer that. Gremlins fuck with streetlights, causing accidents, why? Well, they're mischievous creatures. We already know that. We don't need to see it. But it looks good on film. So, uh, like, if Gizmo gets water on him, and then yeah. the creatures come out evil, but then the evil ones get water on them, and they come out evil, where did Gizmo come from being good? Prequel film. I'm waiting for it. Right? Like, how do you make good ones if all of the separated ones are evil? (laughs) I don't know, man. We can't ask questions anymore. You've already called me out on it. Like, if the evil ones made good ones, then that would make sense to me. We go back and forth. eh? Are they even evil? Is this all... All their actions trying to harm everyone? Some of them, yes. Like we see with Wynn in the kitchen. Uh, the dog? Yeah, the dog. That's a good one. They, they hung him up outside. Like, there's no way to look at that as just, oh, we're being curious. Or, like, that's literally they're trying to be evil. They're putting him on display. Why do they go caroling? I don't know. <laughs> Who is this movie for? Um, when the gremlins attack uh, Mrs. Deagle, um, did you catch the first name of the, uh, uh, the name of the cat? One of her no, cats. I didn't actually. Klopek. Do you remember that name? Uh, um, the Burbs. Yeah. Yeah, the evil neighbors, the Klopeks. Yeah, cool. Uh, I will never, ever forget the shot of the, the like, electric chair going up the stairway, firing Deagle out through the window. I think I remember that more than anything in this movie. Almost anything. We'll get to that. Okay. Gremlins attacking a local Santa Claus. Uh, They're just mischievous. They cut the brake lines of the police car, causing an accident. Um, I don't know how they know what brake lines are, uh, but they do. Do you notice though when that car flips, you can see the underneath and how it was rigged for the stunt? Just got a massive plate underneath it. You know I didn't. I know it's not a big deal, but it's still a fun bit of trivia. Fair. Uh, Billy's car finally starts convenient of course and now the gremlins are destroying dory's tavern so many questions sandra where to begin um it's another one of my favorite (laughs) scenes um kate is serving them booze why did they pay i i don't know did they ask for booze i i I don't know. 
Is this the rare alcohol made without water? Uh, <laughs> none of this makes sense. Why is there why is there a flasher gremlin? They're already uh, naked. I know. Uh, the, the poker scene where Stripe actually shoots a gremlin who is cheating. I mean, where did he, this, where this. did he get the gun? Uh, who cares? <laughs> how does he know how guns work? He didn't. <laughs> then we get the... to try and congratulate the guy for a, a good job cheating and was like, oh, shit. That's the, what this the, does. The jazz gremlin? Uh, you're asking too many questions, dude. The aerobics gremlin? All you're supposed to think is, oh, it's cute. They're doing things that people do. And at this point, like, this is so confusing. All the gremlins are wasted now. But I do love the gremlin with three cigarettes in its mouth. And Kate tries to light them with a match. But the fire is so bright that the drunk gremlin just falls off its stool. Like, this is just slapstick comedy now. Yeah. Who is this movie for? I don't know. And why does Kate then just decide to use a camera flash to fend them off? We have, we have no sense of her trying to leave before this. Like, she's actively trying to serve them booze. She's not trying to leave. Well, see, the bar is failing, so they need any money they can. They can't be specific. There's no fucking money. There's no gremlin money. The scene doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense anymore. It's, hey, they're it's all lost. doing human stuff, like playing poker and flashing. So maybe they can do human stuff, like paying their alcohol tax. Where did he even get the little trench coat? Um, why the do they know what flashing is? The kids, it's a bar. It, 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 it's a fucking bar. They're not trying to flash. They're curious. They're new to the world. And he's more like, look at the insides of this jacket. It's got two sides. <laughs> that's, that's good. Um, You're asking too many questions. It's off the rails, man. It is very much off the rails. Yes. Billy arrives and rescues Kate. The town is now in complete chaos. And yeah, here is where we get the story from Kate as to why she hates Christmas. Uh, the gremlins all retreat to the local theater to watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I, I'm completely lost. I, th there's no reasoning anymore. Of course, the whole place is in complete chaos. They start singing along to the hi-ho scene. It's kind of addictive, yeah. yeah. Billy rigs up a natural gas explosion, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's a smart move, but I don't know how he even considers it. I've always wondered how long it would take for the gas to build up enough to destroy a building, though. Well, I don't think this can be your measure, sir. It's true. Anyway, all the gremlins are burned alive, except for Stripe, who's hidden in the department store. Billy, Kate, and Gizmo pursue, hoping to stop him before he gets to water. Sandro. <laughs> Don't do it. Stripe appears on several TV screens. Some promptly destroyed by a bat that Billy is wielding. Uh-huh. How do gremlins know how to use modern technology? Uh, they're doing stuff people do. Exactly. Uh, the throwing of the saw blades is incredibly stupid, but I thought it was really fun. The visual of Stripe speeding off on a tricycle looks <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. It's the worst shot in the movie. It's one of my favorite shots. Because that is the feeling of the movie. You, it's, 
it looks ridiculous. It's fun. You can't take it seriously. And I feel like this is a movie that we should be watching and appreciating and enjoying and not breaking down, which we've, we've had a few of these in the past. They, they just filmed this and then sped up the recording, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very noticeable. But then you get that really laughable scene leading into Billy getting the shit beaten out of him. <laughs> And it really reminds me of Bruce Campbell in the Evil Dead movies. Like, it is so over the top, but he is taking a lot of damage. Right down to a scene where it's Chainsaw versus Bat. Um, what is this Bat made out of? Uh, the strongest wood that we've never discovered. It really withstands that chainsaw much better than it should. Gizmo in a toy car. Yeah. Are you a fan or not? It was a callback to when he was watching the racing movie, you see. Exactly. We finally got one. Did it work for you? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. Because before it seemed like I said, was it a comedy, a comedy horror? It didn't really work in either. Now we're full-blown comedy, and it's, it's not working for me. I love when they do stuff like this. It's like, oh, we found a toy car that he can fit in. Somehow that toy car now functions like a real car, just smaller. Makes as opposed no sense. to being the toy car that it should be. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a functioning, tiny automobile. With a lot of horsepower behind it. And he knows how it works. But yeah, because you watch the movie. Come on, man. Like, got to give them at least a little credit for the one bit oh, of foreshadowing Jesus that they did. Christ. Yes, there's four. Okay. All right. Yes, there was foreshadowing. They didn't bother with any I other just, foreshadowing, so at least I just know. accept it. Fine. You're right. You know what? You're right. Just give them, give them one. Just give them the one. <laughs> no. Stripe shoots a gun at Billy numerous times before drenching himself in a fountain, but Gizmo arrives in time to open a window blind and shower Stripe in sunlight. Another one of my favorite shots in this movie is Stripe melting. I think absolutely amazing effects, but also gives me that Tales from the Crypt vibe. Um, you've commented on the effects before. Did you find that this worked for you or was it a little too cheesy as well? Honestly, at this point, I think my brain was ready to just accept whatever it was given. Okay, fair enough. I get that. It's like, you know what you're watching at this point. You don't know who it's for, but you know what you're watching. You're just like, I mean, yeah, okay. Whatever. I guess you can't really question anything at this point. No. But I will. Okay. Rand and Barney are on the scene now. And after a pretty decent jump scare, we return to the Pelzer house. Um... Gizmo's sick? What's going on there? Probably a lack of non-water liquids. <laughs> He's dehydrated. <laughs> There's apparently some liquid that will hydrate him that we don't know exists, and we don't have it to give to him. Yeah. Uh, the grandfather from the opening of the film appears and is furious over what happened. Okay. How does he know where Rand lives? Has this been reported over the news? Is nobody else there? If something like that happened, the entire town's in chaos. Where are the police? Where's the army? National Guard? But this one guy from the West Coast in Chinatown can figure out exactly where Gizmo is. 
Well, it's not like somebody reported the gremlins, but he just followed the wave of destruction. I guess. It's like, oh, there's reports of these buildings and this uh, chaos happening. That sounds like it would be the work of the gremlins. So they put Gizmo back in his box. And the man leaves with the Mogwai, pausing for a moment to let Gizmo say goodbye to Billy. He was furious, absolutely furious when he showed up. And now he's being gentle and kind. No, it was probably his grandson didn't give him the 200 bucks for it. So he thought that it was just stolen. <laughs> just bought drugs. <laughs> Grand- grandson's a junkie. Yeah. He uh, he was just mad. He thought that this guy came in to his store and just stole the Mogwai. Yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't, but I mean, none of the it, movie more really does. Than, exactly. It makes more sense than most of the shit that happens in this film. <laughs> so the film ends with a voiceover from Rand warning people that when their electronics go on the fritz, there might just be a gremlin in their house. No. 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 My thoughts are you created something that just doesn't work. And you're blaming gremlins now. Yeah. And we end with that great gremlins theme again. Roll credits, end of movie. Sandro. Yeah, man. I've always touted this as one of my favorite films. Okay. I cannot do that anymore. (laughs) Okay. It is way too ridiculous. It makes no sense. But I mean, it's... A fantasy horror comedy, I guess, and you just kind of have to roll with it. <sighs> Let's see how it did, though. Let's see if other people agree. So, looking at this film, 1984, directed by Dante, produced by Spielberg, what kind of money do you think it had backing it? What was the budget? $15 million? Close. 11 Okay. How much did it make? Seventy-nine. So much more than that. A hundred and seventy-nine. More than that. Oh, jeez, I give up. Two hundred and twelve point nine. <sighs> That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, no wonder it got a sequel. Uh, and no wonder the sequel was more the ridiculous comedy than the potentially horror-based origins, because I would like a more horror version of the Gremlins. But, um, yeah, IMDb rating, how did this do? Uh, 7.2. 7.3. Oh, jeez. And that is the lowest of the three ratings we'll talk about. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes, percentage of positive reviews from the critics for the tomato meter. 84. 86. Oh, I'm getting so close. Audience score, not as high, but pretty close. 79. 78. Oh, jeez. You're really good at this this time, man. Well done. But it's so close. You're like, just let me hit on one of them. I I think you, I I would give you the win for the last two. You're off by like one or two points. What are you talking? I got, I was off by one or two for three. Yeah, that's right. You said 7.4. It was 7.3. Then 84, 86, and 79, 78. Yeah, I was in total, I was off by four. I say you nailed all of those. Well done. First time. Let's get into these awards. All right, let's do this. So who did you have for your least favorite character? Uh, Ruby Deagle, played by Polly Holiday. Um, And it was just because we were supposed to hate that character, and she played it so well. 
Um, everyone else I really did appreciate. Uh, it's just, I don't know why this character was there because as we said before, they set her up to be like the big bad for the humans. And then the villains killed her off. It just, it felt like a, a waste almost. You? I, I had the same. And I'm with you on that. You set this character up to be potentially, or at least feel like the main human antagonist. And then nothing comes from it, which then only solidifies the fact that you're like, she's just a hateful person. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, of, of course you hate this person. It seems weird that they would make us hate a character so much that we would cheer when the actual villains of the movie killed that person. Yep. Favorite character? I went with uh, um, uh, uh, Randall Peltzer. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I like the voice. I like the narration. Uh, I like the charming, like, bumbliness of his capability, but still complimented with a confidence and an adoration for his family. He's just mm -hmm. a character I can get behind. Okay. You? I don't know if it counts or not, but I picked Murray Futterman. Yeah, I didn't pick him because he's not in the movie enough. I know, I know, but he every scene he's in is fantastic. Okay, I'm if not going to tell you not to pick him. I'm not going to tell you not to pick him. If I can't pick Dick Miller, I will go with Rand Peltzer as well because he he was great. He really was great in this movie. As a good trust, trust me, if if I thought that he was in it enough, I would have gone with Dick Miller as well. Okay. All right. So. Moving into memorable line. Yep. It's a tough one, man. Okay. I had to go with the end of the film where Gizmo says, bye, Billy. Because I remember watching this for the first time as a little kid. That made me cry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> It did, man. It was really sad. It was fucking sad. Shut up. All right. What was what was yours? Okay. Well, this is uh, definitely going to more memorable than favorite. Uh, Billy, I always thought everyone was happy during the holidays, no matter what. Kate, most people are, but some aren't. While everyone else opens up presents, they're opening up their wrists. Okay. What are we doing? <laughs> I heard that and I'm like, I thought this movie was supposed to be for kids. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's not a kid's film. Don't tell me that is not like the darkest line. <laughs> it is definitely the <laughs> that darkest line. It does of the not film. belong in this movie. Like, <laughs> how this doesn't stand out to anybody who sees the movie is beyond me. <laughs> what, uh, what's your... <laughs> favorite or most memorable scene? Uh, it's the scene of Dick Miller being drunk at the bar. Really? Yeah, it just lets him really open up his acting chops, which we know are there. And he's such a great character, and, and there's just so many charming lines, and even when he's, like, resisting, like, he wants to drive home, and he, she's like, oh, maybe you should, and he's like, yeah, I guess I'll walk. Like, he's just so good in it. Yeah, he's great in everything or was great in everything you there are two okay um 
and I, I don't know. I think my most memorable scene mm-hmm. is Deagle being shot out of that window. Okay. <laughs> but my favorite scene is Lynn on that gremlin killing spree. Oh, man. She just shanks him. She is a no-nonsense lady. She's just murdering them left and right. She's the most capable person in this movie. Yeah, they wouldn't have lasted long if she was around more. Oh, God, no. No, Lynn Lynn is the true protagonist of this film. Final thoughts? Gremlins is a really fun movie that you should never analyze. No, God, no. Uh, the acting is not great. Uh, the direction is actually fantastic. The story is problematic, but it's a lot of fun. So if you just want to throw on a movie and have a good time, you're, you're going to get that from Gremlins. Um, it's, it's from 1984, man. Like you, you can't really complain too much about this movie. For what it is from that time, it's very good. Very good. Zach Galligan is competent. I mean, Dick Miller, perfect. The, the creature design and the puppetry is wonderful. I don't really think there's another movie like this. Uh, obviously, ignore the sequel. Um, it's a good time. It's a good time. It's just not phenomenal. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. But if you've seen it a handful of times, I think you're good with just letting it go. <laughs> you? I don't like this movie wow okay i i might struggle with it because i didn't watch it when i was younger and i don't have that to lean on but watching it like in today's day as like a first time viewer it was just so disjointed it didn't know what it wanted to be Mm -hmm. it it's difficult to say oh it's a fun movie because there's so many dark parts that I can't recommend it to like kids. I don't know if there's enough there for adults to really enjoy if they didn't grow up with it. Like this movie's identity crisis might be its biggest undoing if you don't have nostalgia to compensate for that. Yeah, I can I can see why you'd say that. And there's like there's so many elements of competent filmmaking here. But just this lack of direction or commitment, if you want to use a different word for it, to what they actually want to do with this movie really makes it struggle. It takes so long to get into the movie to the point where you actually have the gremlins. Then you hit this like slow middle part where very little actually entertaining happens. And then you hit fast forward on the actual like gremlin part at the end of the movie. And it's just like, what part of this movie was I supposed to latch on to as a fan? Yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you brought up the like who's the movie for like is it a kids movie adults film because with movies like Shrek it's obviously a kids movie that has adult humor hidden within it so adults can watch it and appreciate it on another level from what their children are experiencing absolutely with, with Gremlins there is a fair amount of dark content that would disturb children so it's definitely a movie for adults but then there's so much kid humor put in that i don't think the adults would appreciate it as much as they should it's it is and i feel really weird because we've used this term a lot recently and that this movie is unbalanced 
but I feel like with how dark this movie was going, if they shifted it more into the horror realm, we both would have appreciated it a lot more. I think I would have appreciated it a lot more either way. If you had gone right into horror, or if you had fully embraced being a family-friendly kids movie and not put all the dark elements in it, I think mm -hmm. it would. I think it would benefit from either of those directions. But you just got to pick one and go with it. Okay, I one hundred percent agree with you. All right, so that's our thoughts on Gremlins. If you'd like to share your thoughts, you can hit us up on social media. We are on Twitter at BS Bargain Bin. Facebook.com slash BS Bargain Bin, BS Bargain and YouTube.com slash at BS Bargain Bin. Ben. Yes, sir. What are we doing next week, bud? Uh, well, we're going to be doing February's fan pick or listener pick, if you will. January. And this is January, because we're a little behind. We are a little behind. That's my fault. Sorry, everyone. It's okay. But from, from Andy, we are doing. 1994's Demolition Man. At the end of a century, ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo-facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in and say hi! From another time. Pass is over, John! Time for something new and improved! Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. Until next week, have a good one. All the best.